And just for a moment, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you that the entire word is true. Not just portions, not just what, what I'd like to read, but all of it. And I believe all of it, Lord. Right there where you, where you see it, with your eyes closed, just say, Lord, I believe your word. I receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my sermon this morning, before we get to communion, and I'm going to only touch a little bit on it, and if you have time, then we're recording the, the rest for the podcast. Uh, go listen to it on podcast or the live feed or on YouTube. We've got all the different, different platforms where you can listen to these stuff. But I want to speak about fathers and sons. And for the women in the house, uh, that doesn't exclude you because you raise sons or you have a husband, or you work with men. And if we have an understanding of what God's doing and how God does it, um, we're going to have a different generation. Because God is raising up. He's raising... What's about now? Can you hear my word? Yes, can you Can you hear my word? Can you hear my word? I sleep now. Okay, so, fathers and sons... I grew up with an incredible dad. I grew up with a grandfather. I grew up with great male figures in my life that impacted my life, impacted the way I treat people around me, how the leader I am today with great leadership in my life. And here's the thing, the way my mom treated me and the way she taught me certain things made me the man I am today and how I treat women. Um, and I'm going to touch a little bit on some of this stuff. Uh, I've only got a few minutes in this, but I'm sure I'm, it's going to bless you. So my dad was in the military for 10 years. So one of the things I believed with all my heart is I wanted to go to the army. All I wanted to do was go to the army. It was something that I really, really wanted to. But my mom prayed every single day that I should not go. Um, and God had a different plan, but it was something that was so ingrained in me, something that I really wanted to do is I just wanted to pick up a gun and just go kill people. <laughs> okay, not just people, the enemy, okay? And there is a side of me that when injustice comes in, there's something raises up in me that wants to fight it. When something, when a bully is around, something inside of me just like, hey, let's get some guys together, let's sort the bully out. There's something about when a woman is mistreated that something stands up in me going like, hey, I need to do something about this. Uh, when a child is abused, they got something inside of me that go, hey, I need to do something about this. But we have a generation of young men and people around us that do not want to get involved in any of that. And all we want to do is sit around as good men, and that's why evil prevails. You see, growing up with a, with a dad and a, and a grandfather that showed me certain things, that allowed me to be a little bit of a, a boy when I needed to be a boy, that sometimes said, no TV games, get out of the house. We played TV games, like, you know, that gives my age away, okay? Tetris, Bomberman, okay. Not the wild stuff they're playing today. <laughs> but the context is that there was something about that that produced the wild side. You know, Adam wasn't made in the garden. He was made in the wild. God picked him up and put him inside the garden. There's something about that. Now, I, I just want to say this. Not every single man is the same. And I'm not, I don't put, if I'm putting something out there, I'm not doing this blanket, um, 
blueprint where I'm just putting a blanket over everything and saying that's how it's supposed to be or that's how we're going to fix it or that's where we're going. No, but I want to show something about there is a side of an acknowledgement, uh, development, a growth as men that we need to step into. Satan's got it right for us to not identify with who we are as men. And even in church, a lot of time, what we hear as men or what is taught about God is, you can't be that wild, calm down. And so when we look at Jesus or we follow the Jesus we follow, he's very much associated with a, a Mother Mary figure. Jesus timid. And, and so, Nate, Listen, do you understand the weight of what that hammer is that, uh, you know, when a carpenter, I think it's about a 40 kilo kilogram hammer that they had to work with as carpenters, the, the hammer that they were at that, 40 kilos? You know, Jesus had biceps, guys. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't like, uh, Jesus wasn't emo, okay? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm also a bit of a skinny dude. But in the context, is Jesus was ripped, okay? He wasn't Buddha the fat man, okay? He, he was, Jesus was, I, I need to get, listen, we're talking to the guys here. We're talking to, we've got to have an understanding of it. When we read Revelation, we see a man who sits on a horse with his cloak dripped in blood and fire in his eyes. That sounds like Braveheart. That guy's like, yeah, freedom! <laughs> Sorry, I'm screaming. <laughs> That's the kind of thing when I look at this Jesus who goes to a cross and dies for us. That ain't somebody who's just like, no, I'm not interested in this beating up situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be beaten up. I'm going to be, they're going to rip my beard. They're going to put me on a cross. They're gonna, there's something about this that's been detached from where we are as men who stand in the gap and say, hey, there's something I need to do in this generation and not just become in the church. There's something in what we teach our children and our sons that we're acknowledged. And listen, every single young man that has ever walked this planet, somewhere in his life needs to hear that he's good enough. Somewhere in his life needs to hear that he's worthy of the call upon his life. And whether that is from a mom or from a dad, but somewhere there is not just a dad, but there are dad figures. I thank, you, I thank God that I had great father and a great grandfather, but I also had great male figures in my life, teachers who didn't just go like, oh, shame, you have a stout. So, Kaini is, come here, my boy. You messed up. Buck. One of those teachers, Munir Lowe, I still call, still call him Munir. He's like, he always like, why do you keep on calling me that? I said, you'll always stay my sir. <laughs> like, but I remember in matric that we're, we, we flunked, all the boys flunked our, uh, our history exam. And so he just had enough. And, and he wasn't known for spanking. So we didn't kind of like worry about that. So he just didn't study. And he's just like, today is the day that you will remember for the rest of your life. And when he said those words, something inside of me kicked in, like, oh, Lord Jesus, come fetch me now. <laughs> and so we were, I was third in row, and there was uh, the first team prop, big boy, second guy who always gets spanked, <laughs> and then me. I got spanked a little bit, but not as much as these two. And so when Tuobi came out of the office, and the tears were running down his face, I realized, Jesus, there is a trouble here. 
oh, help me. And then, uh, then John went in, and when John came out and he gets spanked a lot, I mean, he probably never feels anything. But this day, the tears were running down his face. I realized, Lord, I am coming to you. <laughs> I'm going to die today. <laughs> and I walked into the office, and I said, Shawnee boy, vandaag is die dag. <laughs> and I stood, and then he, you know that flinch when you know you're going to get, I don't know if there's anybody here who ever got spanked. I don't know. Some of you, is there some of you? Some? When you do that thing, when he kind of goes, and you, you clinch, and you, and you kind of, it's just, no, no. No clinching, wait, wait, no clinching. And you kind of like, wait, wait. And just when you relax, you go, Swah! Yeah. I saw Jesus wave. For a moment, I left my body. I came back. I'm like, oh, I'm back. And he just says, okay, now I'm waiting for the second one. Then he just keeps talking. So life starts to come back. And then he says, let's go again. I'm like, no, I can't handle this any. But in that moment, he said, you will never forget this because you need to learn something. If you don't have respect for others, you don't have respect for what I teach you, you don't have respect for that, you will have no respect in your own life. And he said, and you will remember this today. You see, the thing is that when we're Scripture, because we need to read some scripture. I just want to be telling you stories of how I got spanked. Eh? That's not nice. But would you quickly go with me to 1 Corinthians 4? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Thank you, Doreen. <laughs> yes, yeah, so in this church, the first time we open the Bible, we have a big shot. This is what we do. So that's good. <laughs> My heart. Okay. First Corinthians chapter four, verse fifteen. Let's read from verse fourteen. I think it says, "I do not write these things to shame you, but as beloved children, I warn you. For though we might have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet we do not have many." What's that word there? Oh, we have a lot of people who can tell you a lot of things, but there are only those who can father a few. But we have no fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became begotten through the gospel. So we have a lot of people who instruct, but we don't have many fathers. We've got to raise up a generation that's multi, multi-generational. We have a church that should be multi-generational, where it's not just a bunch of the older guys and a bunch of the youth, but there are those who are older and those who are younger who are actually taking the time and the effort to mentor each other, actually taking the time and the effort to get together. And listen, we've had a lot of great women's days and stuff like that, but man, oh man, I'm definitely done with, with the fact that we're not getting together as men and being able to teach young men around us how to treat women, how to seek God, how to be a better, better man than ever before. We have not many fathers. And fathers doesn't mean that David's fathered many children that are not his own in the context that he has been a dad, that he's been a grandfather to those who go, hey, I want to invest into your life. Now, I want to just also say this to moms. As mom, your son needs to be a little bit wild. Don't try and tame him too much. If there's a mountain, we want to climb it for no reason. 
the other night, we were a bunch of guys here, and we see who could jump the highest against that post. The girls were laughing at us, but we found it incredibly exciting. We wanted to go higher than what we've ever could. We wanted to conquer a steel post. <laughs> you see, the thing is, you've got to understand something. Men are made different than women. And there's something inside of us that want to conquer, that want to grow. But we have a generation where women are teaching, moms are teaching their sons not to be too wild, not to go too far, not to... Not to venture out in some areas not to be the greatest of what they are and and uh, and yes the other side of this and again this is a massive topic today i can't scram it in or cram it into a few minutes but i'm gonna try my best is that one day i got in the car and uh, one of the ladies drove with her son with me and she um she went and the son is probably seven or eight years old and she got into the back and let the son climb into the front and i said excuse me what's going on yeah and she said, no, 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 he needs to learn how to be a man. And I'm going, no, no, no. A man says to his mom, mom, you sit in the front. I'm opening the door for you. I'm going to treat you well, and I'll sit in the back. You see, the thing is, the problem is, is that we're, we're, there's a generation, there's a gap in what God says, how God teaches, what society teaches, what my culture teaches, and how we treat that around us. How do we stand in the gap? How do we treat that? How do we build that well as we change our generation? Because here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. There are more women serving in the church than men. Churches are filled with women and not men. And then we have this thing where we're like, I'm looking for a husband. Where are you going to find that husband? I'm looking for someone who's standing in the gap and lead. Because the natural thing for all men or a lot of men is to lead. You know, in most schools, there are, we used to have the head boy, head girl situation. A lot of places that can't even find a head boy because none of the boys are stepping up to the plate. No, not leading in that context. And, and a lot of those young men don't have fathers, but there is a church filled with men that follow Jesus and say, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to show you the way how to walk. I'm going to come around you and show you what God can do and how God can be in your life because we need that more than ever before. We need that more than ever before. If it wasn't important to God about fathers and sons, then why is there the entire genealogy of Jesus in Matthew? Can you quickly go to Matthew 1? Just go to Matthew 1 quickly. Matthew chapter 1 has this entire long stretch of names. Anybody ever read that? And most of you skipped that, right? None of you go like Bible study 101. Let's read Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then verse 2. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot um, Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zeroth. And it goes down and down and down. And like, what in the world is all of this? One upon another upon another. And listen, in this genealogy, women are mentioned. This isn't about the boys' club. It's a genealogy of one generation upon another, building up to Christ. And the most interesting thing about all of this is that the entire genealogy has got nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with Joseph. 
there is no blood DNA from the genealogy of Joseph in Jesus. Joseph did not beget Jesus. Mary did. There's no DNA of Joseph in Jesus. Just, I want you to get something here. There's no DNA of Joseph in Jesus. Or he, the Holy Spirit came over Mary. Mary's not part of this entire genealogy. So why is there a genealogy? To produce the right father for Jesus. So that there's one who could come to him and say, come on, I need to sit you. By the age of 12, Jesus walks into a temple and says, let me tell you about my father. And he did not speak of Joseph. He spoke of God. And he blew their minds. Who taught him that? What does he... When he gets to, to Joseph and they find him, where have you been? Hmm. Been about my father's business. That's what you taught me. Hmm. That's what you showed me. You find that this is so important. It's so important that that's there, that God takes an entire bloodline to produce the right father. So that when you read throughout that bloodline, you find the stories that would be brought across over to Jesus to tell him about who is David. Who is Abraham? Who are all these great men that have been there? That have been. And I remember at the age of 13 or 14, my dad sat me down and looked at me, sat me on a chair, he sat in front of me, and he said to me, today I want you to know I see you as a man. Today I see you as somebody who now steps into manhood. And I acknowledge that over your life, and I pray that over you, and I lay hands on you. And man, in that moment, all I felt was like, Whoa! I feel like a man. Who's ever seen that TikTok video? Give me a saber. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> None of you guys, all the guys are sitting there as if they've never done those moments. If they've never stood in front of the mirror looking at their arms, going like, yeah, man, I'm ripped on this. He said the inside everyone is a warrior. Whether that warrior is expressed in art or in dance or in music or in sport, there is a warrior in every man that needs to find a place that it's acknowledged and released. Women, listen to what I'm saying today. If we, if we have no balance in what God produced as man and woman and what that works together, we'll have disorder what is the world right now? A disorder. Because there's no acknowledgement of who we are as men. There's no acknowledgement with fathers unto sons. We just do our own thing and we hope that the world will get sorted. Come, There is a call like never before. There's an anointing when a David steps in and says, listen, we've got to sort this out. That giant has been shouting too long over our sons. That giant has been calling out God. And we're going to step in the gap as men today and we're going to take something back. Sorry if I'm shouting real loud now. But there's something about that that changes everything. That goes beyond what that is. And so tonight, to this morning, we look at a table. And on this table is the representation of a son that it got acknowledged by a father. That said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If there's nothing about that that we should be doing in the natural, 
then why did God do that with His own Son? Twice did that. Release that over. So that Jesus could go meditate and find the truth within Himself as a Son and what that is and realize, man, I have a Father. So the first thing they say, teach us how to pray. Where does He start? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He doesn't start with other, my King, my Lord, my Savior. Where does He start? My Father. There's something about that. And, and Scripture says here in Malachi, it says, uh, talking about the hearts of the fathers returning to the sons and the sons to the fathers. We have a, a gap in what that is. We have something about that. I remember, and, and I'll finish the story, and then we're going to have communion. But when I was at Bible school, I was privileged to be working with three boys. So I was like, a, it's called a Danny, not a nanny. I don't know where they got that name from. But, so I had to look after three boys, two, uh, two eight-year-olds and a six-year-old. So in the morning, I worked at a paint shop. In the afternoon, I took care of the boys and I went to evening school at night. Finished my Bible school. And these boys, when I got to them the first time, they had never flown a kite, never caught a ball. They uh, had, every single time they fell, they cried. <laughs> I thought, uh, I, I laughed at them when they fell. <laughs> And it, it caught on so quickly that they started doing that with their friends and then the parents complained. <laughs> That these boys are too rough. <laughs> but when I got there, they would, bump the, they would bump a piece of paper and they would cry. And I'm like, no, no, boys, that's not, you, you can't like that. Chicks dig scars. <laughs> Eight-year-old boys with scars going, sure, chick, 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 a scar, man. Chicks dig scars. Like inside, I know they had pain. But that moment of acknowledgement, man, you're the wildest, craziest dude I've ever met. It's like, whoa, man, I'm a man. Give me a lightsaber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so these, two, these boys uh, were the first time I taught them how to value what you receive. Because I taught them how to play cricket. I taught them how to play soccer. I built their first kite with them, caught their first fish with them. But it was one day when little Alex, they're all grown up now, they're their own kids. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, Alex, we were playing touch rugby in, the, in the, the garden. They had this massive big garden. So we were playing touch rugby, six years old. He's never caught a rugby ball. And so we play, and he's always dropped it, always dropped it. And so we take the ball, and I throw the ball through the air, and we, we're running, and he grabs the ball for the first time, catches. And his face, when he realizes he caught the ball for the first time, he's like, whoa! I forget about the game. I run up to him. I grab him. I go, oh, this is amazing. The kid starts freaking out like, what are you doing? And I throw him into the pool <laughs> just because it was that cool. <laughs> and he lands in the pool. And he's like, <gasps> and I grab the other boys and we all jump in the pool and we go crazy. The boy could not stop to talk about that day for weeks because there was something of an acknowledgement in who they are. And listen, the scripture says we have not many fathers. Fatherhood is Joseph was not produced. Well, Jesus wasn't produced through Joseph. It was produced by God. But God brought a father into the life of Jesus to produce something in Jesus that God could not do from a spiritual, but he needed natural fathers. 
He needed natural fathers that would come around him. And we find Jesus going to the disciples and calling this young man to follow him so he could impact their lives. We see Paul do the same with Timothy. We see a generation of men that were bold and crazy because that's what we do. That's why we jump on steel posts. Exactly. (laughs) Women, you have a fragrance that God's produced in you and you have a call. And I cannot go into detail about what your position is, but we've got to acknowledge something with men to restore a certain thing that is wild and bold and crazy as we are as men, that is expressive and pushes into places that's never been before. But when we start to find that and we start to honor that and we start to cultivate that, as much as we honor what God is doing in you as women, We will find balance and family and fatherhood restored for what God has called it to be. I'm passionate about this because I really understand that there is something that we need to shift. We need to shift. I I stood here on Friday night and a bunch of the boys were sitting there and one of the girls walked in, an older girl, and she was greeting them and nobody got up. and, And I'm like, no, no, no. I can't now shout at them for not standing up when the lady greets at them. I've got to father them into that way. How do we treat others? How do we fight injustice? How do we be bold enough to preach the gospel? How do we go into nations where you could get killed for preaching bold, crazy men and women and follow the call of the Father? But the scripture says we have many instructors, but few fathers. You see, you go to school and you sit around the teachers at school and they instruct you. But you come home to a father who grows you. A father that... will show up and listen again I'm not saying here because some of you don't have that kind of fathers or didn't have that kind of fathers but you can be that kind of father not all well, my kids are grown up well then there's more kids around you I remember one night I had gone through so much difficulty in my life in a situation and I was in Johannesburg and my dad was in Whitbank and they did not have the money even to drive. They didn't have the petrol even to, to come through. But I was going through such a bad place. He got in his car. He drove, got me off to work. We sat in a McDonald's. And he was just there. He was just there. He showed up. Listen, I don't care if you're young or old. I've, like I was at school, I was fathering my friends even. I was, I was always taking care of them, making sure they're okay and inviting them into and be there. So it's not just based on age. It's based on a heart and multi-generational as we lead a new generation into what God has for them. Men, I'm speaking to you today. Women, that's what we've got to be praying for. Is that within that? And we've got to find what that is and praying for that and stepping into that. And, and ladies, I just want to say something here. I know this is kind of just off the side. The bar needs to be set higher 
with what you want in a man. Otherwise, they'll never go to that bar. If you drop the bar, they'll never be what you want them to be one day. To many of the women that I meet today is they drop the bar because they don't want to be alone and then hope that the man will raise his own bar. No ways. No chance. No chance. Ladies, you've got to raise the bar. You've got to put it up there and say, this is the kind of husband I want. This is the kind of man I want in my life. That's what the bar is. And that's what I want to see in my life. You cannot, you cannot drop that and then hope he's going to raise it himself. No, you already lowered it. Why must he, why must he raise it? I know I've, I've tried to put a lot into a few minutes, but I can feel there's an anointing right now. It's time. It's time to be more than what we can because this generation needs it. They need it. They need to see. They need to learn. They need to grow from where they're at because otherwise, what are we doing? We have a men's evening coming up one Sunday night. We'll confirm it. I've just looked at the dates. One of the Sunday nights, we're just going to dedicate it to men, all the men. I want you to invite all the, we're going to invite all the youth, all the guys to be here. And we're just going to fellowship together. It's not just going to be me standing on the stage and preaching. But we're going to actually just fellowship with each other and be together as men so that we can just impart and pray for and work with each other. I don't want this year to end before we start our men's movement. Because I believe like never before, we need to step that in place. Is it stirring something this morning? I'm not going to stop. Even if you don't like what I've got to say, I'm going to continue. <laughs> because it is that important for this generation. So let's pray. Would you stand with me, please? Father, We're going to bless this table and then you can come take communion. Father, I bless each one here in this place. I pray that this word will drop into the hearts of every man and woman. That it will stir something in every father's heart in this place. Lord, on this table is your body broken for us. You came as a man you died on behalf of us. You had moments where you felt, Lord, let this cup pass by. But if you want to do it, I'll do it for every person in this place. And this represents the greatest love of the heart of a father. For God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. And so, Lord, we bless this bread that represents your body that is your body it's broken for us so that we don't have to stay broken bless the cup because this cup represents and is your blood poured out for us so today lord as we partake of this may we really know that you're with us we bless it in jesus name amen amen